God, again, this is all stuff that we need your help for, God. And we want to affirm this is your church. You're the one that's paid for this church with the blood of Jesus Christ. You're the one that's giving power to this church through your Holy Spirit. And God, you're the one that's going to guide us. Lord, and even as we were talking about in that last session, Lord, there's things that we need direction on. There's times where we legitimately might not know what the best thing is to do. Help us to lean on your Spirit, God, for direction and for guidance and through prayer and counsel, God, that we would live out these things and live them out in the best possible way. So we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, session number nine. Session number nine is called Becoming a Wonderful Counselor. Becoming a Wonderful Counselor. I am looking here this morning at a room full of counselors. And you might say, I don't know. I mean, I've never had somebody make an appointment and come to my office and sit in a comfy chair and talk about their life to me. But most of the counsel that happens in this world and most of the counsel that happens in this church doesn't happen in offices. It doesn't happen from pastors or people that have had formal training in counseling. It happens over the phone while your friend is talking to you about something that's going on in their lives. It happens at the coffee shop. It happens over lunch as you're talking to somebody from your life group or a friend from church or maybe even a friend from a church two churches ago, right? Um, whatever it might be, it happens over texting or Marco Polo or Instagram or whatever you're using to send messages to your friends. I mean, let's be honest here this morning. For most of you in the room, the question is not, are you a counselor or not? The question is, are you a good counselor or not? Because we're all giving counsel to other people, probably more than we even realize. And lots of times, the first person you're going to talk to for counsel in a situation isn't, you know, somebody with a license or making an appointment with me, right? It's you're going to talk to somebody else in the church about something that's going on in your life. And I think that's not a bad thing. I think to some extent, we need to think more about everybody in the church counseling one another. And that's not my idea. That's the Bible's idea, right? Turn with me to a couple passages. First, Romans 15, 14. Romans 15, 14. Or if you're, you know, really ambitious and you want to get both passages right now, Romans 15, 14 and Colossians 3, 16. Those are two passages we're just going to look at. One verse each really quickly. Romans 15, 14 and Colossians 3, 16. Or if you just want to jot those down and listen. Romans 15, 14 says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. And look at Colossians 3.16, which says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And even a word that we see used in both passages, translated different ways, is this Greek word nutheteo, which there's a whole movement in the church, especially over the last 20, 30 years, for a while they were trying to call it nuthetic counseling. 
And the first question they always got was, well, what does that mean? And then they would say, oh, biblical counseling. And finally, they just started calling it biblical counseling, you know, which is probably a move in the right direction, in my opinion, right? But that's, the, that's where they were getting neuthetic counseling from, because it was from these words in these passages that were able to instruct one another, that were teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And let me say, hey, this is something that you could spend the rest of your life studying, how to counsel other people. It's something that you could invest time and money in, in serious training. And I also want to make clear in this session, I think there is validity in that, and some people should do that. It's not, you know, an either or. Well, do we have trained counselors or is everybody a counselor? I think it's a both and, right? That there should be people that have done more investing in this and learning in this, but also every Christian should be thinking of themselves as a counselor. And that's what I'm coming back to because you are, whether you realize it or not. You're giving people counsel all the time. It might not be that formal, but it is happening. And the question you want to ask yourself is, am I being effective and am I saying the right things when I have the opportunity to counsel other people? Because... If we're doing session number six and we're loving people, and if we're doing session number seven and we're investing in relationships with people, and then we're, those relationships are getting to the point where, hey, we're using our words to spur one another on, then guess what's going to happen? People are going to come to you, you, especially just start with your, your friends, the people that you're doing life with. You're going to start talking about difficult situations in your lives with each other. It's going to happen. And so in those moments, we should be offering biblical, godly counsel to one another. So again, this is a, a crash course. This is not, hey, you are now licensed and certified. Go set up an office. No, that's not at all what I'm saying. But I'm saying you're going to talk to people this week. And people are going to talk to you. And how should you respond? And I've got one, two, three, four, five, six things that... I would encourage you to do as you respond to people in these kind of situations. Step number one. Step number one is listen, listen, listen. That is step number one. Before we ever get to what are you going to say, you need to start by listening. And I remember here, over here in a conversation between a, with a pastor that I used to work with who has done more counseling probably than most pastors do in a lifetime, right? That's like one of the main things that he does, hours of counseling every single day. And he was talking to an intern at the church who was interested in biblical counseling. And so the intern is like, hey, so what are like some of your go-to passages when you're doing all this counseling? And the experienced pastor, you know, he said, how in the world am I supposed to decide what my go-to passages are ahead of time before I even know what's going on? He's like, the, the first step I'm always doing is listening to what are they saying? What is going on? Because everything I would go to in the scriptures as a result of that is going to be based on what their needs are, what their questions are, what the situation is. Because every situation is unique and you need to approach it that way. You not need to not think, well, hey, this happened to me one time, or, oh, I've talked to so-and-so about this before. Well, now you're talking to somebody that's not you and that's not somebody else. And I guarantee you there's some unique facets to this situation. And so for the third session in a row at this conference, I encourage you to ask good questions. When they're talking to you about the situation in your life, what's going on? Okay, well, so somebody did this. How did you do that? 
Why did you do that? Why did you say that? Okay, why do you feel this way? Just trying to learn more and more about a specific person that you are talking to and the specific situation. And again, you might get skittish thinking, me, a counselor, I don't have all the answers. That's right, you don't have all the answers because there's questions you still need to ask. And even this helps set up the whole conversation that, hey, I'm not acting like I have all the answers, but I want to ask questions. I want to learn more so I can be as helpful as I can be. And if you think being a good counselor means I have all the answers all the time, that's not really what it's ever about. But start by listening, 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 asking questions, learning more, trying to understand what this person is doing, why they're doing it, what else is going on, how they're reacting to it. That's important. And then step number two is get to the scriptures. We do want to respond to what's going on by directing people to the truth of God's word. And what we're most tempted to do, and this is actually what people think really good counselors do, is run to their experience and their opinions, right? Now, there is time and a place to share your experience and share your opinions. I'm not trying to knock that, but the main thing that we want to get to is what does God say? And even, and this is where it's totally appropriate, and even sometimes when I'm talking to somebody, I'll say, hey, what you're going through, I, this person, I think, has, has some experience with that and would be great. And when that works well, what's happening is, hey, let me show you what the Word of God says and let me show you how my experience totally confirms that, right? That's, that's a powerful conversation. The last thing we ever want is my experience saying one thing and the Word of God saying something else. But when we start to share other people, yeah, this is what God says, and let me tell you how I had to learn that sometimes can be a helpful thing. And sometimes opinions are, are valid, but that's where we even want to make sure we're differentiating between, hey, this is what the Bible says, and, okay, this is what I say, and I think this might be something that's helpful. And there's many times where that will be helpful. Those are supporting things, right? The lead actor is the Word of God. The supporting actors might be your experience or your opinions. And that's where we want to go to God's Word. And I'd say one of the biggest counseling, well, the biggest counseling issue as a pastor I deal with, and probably something that you talk about too, is marriage, right? Marriage is probably the most frequent thing. And if I'm talking to somebody, at some point, I want to get to Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3, because that's where God gives us at most length instruction on what is being a godly husband look like, what is being a godly wife, and there's always going to be things to learn from that. And again, this helps as, as, if you're growing in the Christian life, if you want to grow as a husband, if you want to grow as a wife, you're going to constantly be coming back to these passages, right? So hopefully you, they're ministering to you as well. Or how many counseling conversations are going to come back to parenting, right? And man, you want to talk about a realm in which there are opinions, right? Parenting, there are opinions on parenting, or so I've learned. And a lot of them are valid, and that's where a lot of that can be helpful, but if that's all we're talking about and we're never getting to, well, hey, we need to make sure the Bible clearly talks about this in Ephesians 6 or in Colossians 3 or in Deuteronomy 6, are we doing these things, right? Is there biblical discipline going on? Is there, are you talking to your children about the Word of God and seeking to teach it to these things? These are not opinions. And maybe I can share some of my experience and opinions on how I've gone about doing that. But this is what the Bible clearly says needs to be happening, right? We want to start with those things, right? Somebody comes to you and they're really anxious or worked up about something. 
What are some promises of Scripture that you can direct their attention towards? That you're, somebody lets you in on some interpersonal drama that they're involved in, and now, well, now you're involved in it too, right? What are the, you know, Colossians chapter 3 would be a great passage to, well, hey, let's think about this. Are we having compassion? Are we being patient? Are we being kind? Are we being forgiving, right? Draw people back to the Scriptures. Step number two. Step number three, we want to get to the heart. Get to the heart. Everything we do comes from our hearts. Every word we speak, every action that we take is happening because of what's going on in our hearts. And from somebody that has now been doing, you know, for years now, more and more counseling, many times the conversation I'm having is they're coming in and saying, Pastor, here's the circumstance. And what I have to spend most of the time doing saying, okay, guess what? It's not about the circumstance. The circumstance is not why we're here. Your heart is why we're here. And even God is using the circumstance to shape your heart and to make your heart more like Jesus. I mean, just even think about some of the main things that God instructs Christians to be. Going all the way back to the first three weeks of our church over a year ago, where we started Colossians, he starts by talking about faith, hope, and love. And those should be three cornerstones of the Christian life. Well, guess what? All of those are internal things. Faith, hope, and love. And what's the opposite of those things? The opposite of faith, I'd say, is, is doubt. Being uncertain of God's character and, and what He is and whether He is for us or loves us or not. Opposite of hope and expecting God's goodness in the future being fear and uncertainty. The opposite of love being selfishness. And a lot of times, when we're going through something hard and we're reaching out, what God is doing is He is exposing doubt fear, or selfishness in our hearts. And if we never get to that level and resolve that problem, well, then we're never going to, the circumstance is probably never going to change for a variety of reasons, right? And so we want to help people see, you know, and that's why I even want to say, how does this make you feel? And we want to direct people towards faith, hope, and love, and away from doubt and fear and selfishness because what's going on on the inside is always more important than what's going on on the outside because what's going on in the inside determines what's going on on the outside and that's where we got to get quickly then to step number four because if we're getting to the heart and we're getting to okay doubt fear and selfishness versus faith hope and love and that's not an exhaustive list of things that we might feel on the inside but just some examples that i think make that clear we need to then get to god because God and who He is and what He has done and seeing that is what's going to change the inside. What's going to build faith, hope, and love in somebody? Understanding better who God is. Understanding the person of Jesus Christ. Understanding what God has done for us through the death and resurrection and all that He is for us in Jesus Christ. And that's going to build faith, hope, and love. And so we've got to get this person to God, right? If doubt or fear are our problem. I mean, I've found one of the most fundamental problems most Christians have is a lack of an expectation that God is going to be good to them, right? I think that's the biggest problem a lot of Christians have. It's a problem I have to fight against every single day, every single week. We need to be reminded, no, God is good. 
to his people. If, he, if he's already given us his son, how's he not also going to give us all things? And he's promised all things are going to work together for good. Do you really believe that? And we need to direct people to that as we're directing ourselves there. Or think if the issue is related to marriage. Do you see what the Bible does when it talks about marriage? It always brings it back to God. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. Hey, husband, has Christ not laid down his life for you? Do you see that? Do you feel that? Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Okay, wife, I know you might not always trust your husband, but do you trust Jesus, right? Do you trust him? Do, do you expect that he is going to be good to you? That he is not going to abandon you in this situation? Well, when we start to see that, well, then we can find the faith to do the right things in our marriage, when we see that God, He's worthy of our faith, He's worthy of our hope, right? That starts to fill our hearts with different things, and that's even going to lead us to love, right? That's going to lead us to change the way that we think about other people. So first, listen, listen, listen. And then there's three things that you want to get the conversation to, and not even always in this order, right? But at some point, we want to be addressing Scripture, we want to be addressing the heart, and we want to be addressing the character of God, right? And which leads then to what God has done, the gospel, right? So get to the Scriptures, get to the heart, and get to God. We need to do those things. And then probably after we've done those things, we can maybe help, step five, identify next steps, identify next steps, which again, Colossians chapter 3 provides this helpful um, pattern of putting off and putting on, right? That you can help this person, okay, these are the situations, this is what are you going through, and even sometimes it's just asking them as you've looked at scriptures, okay, so what do you think? What is it that you're doing that's not helpful or that's sinful that you should stop doing? And even encouraging them to identify that, to even repent of that. And then, Okay, what are the things that we need to put on, right? Helping them identify. And even when I'm counseling, sometimes even I'll say, hey, I want you to go pray about this. And even to, as you start thinking about God and what he's done and what the scripture says, to even make a list. What are the things I need to put off and what are the things I need to put on? And this might be certain actions. This might be attitudes. It might be, hey, when I'm feeling anxious, I need to actively I'm going to go to these three passages of Scripture, right, to be as practical as we can be. Again, when you're giving other people this counsel, it's not, well, should I get to the heart or should I try to be real practical? Yes, you should. Let's do both, right? Because they're, they're, they're connected and they have to be. Another next step, I mean, there might be a time where you might need to say, hey, I'm happy to talk to you about this, and I'm happy to be a part of the encouragement and accountability process, but hey, I really think you should go talk to a pastor. I think there's someone else that you should talk to, or you know what? I know so-and-so, they, I mean, maybe you're talking to somebody about some financial struggle, and you could say, well, hey, it's never about the money. It's always about our hearts, but hey, I know so-and-so just went through something real similar, and they might be able to help you out. Maybe you can lead them to other people that would be helpful also as a next step. So listen, 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 number one. Number two, get to the scriptures. Number three, get to the heart. Number four, get to God. Number five, identify next steps. And then number six, follow up. Follow up. Don't say, 
glad that conversation's over. I hope they never bring that up again, right? Not the attitude that we want to have. And remember, your goal is not to have all the answers, but your goal is, hey, I want to be present. I want to love them and I want to help them and I want to speak the truth in love as much as I possibly can, right? And yes, the church needs pastors that can help with these situations. We need training and counseling. There's room for expertise in that, but we need a room full of people, right? And half the time, if I'm counseling somebody out something, I'm encouraging them like, hey, most of the time it's not, let's have a heart-to-heart with your entire group about this, but it's, hey, do you have a couple people that are in with you that you're talking to every day about this? We need this. And I'm not arguing against training and counseling and, and, and all that. No, I'm arguing for that. But I'm saying at this level, at just the average person in the church level, we need more of this kind of mindset, not less, right? And even remembering, hey, I'm not a wonderful counselor, but if I can point people as much as possible to the wonderful counselor, well, then I've done something good. And maybe God has used me to speak the truth in love so the whole body can be built up. So if you didn't get the six things, listen, listen, listen. Get to the scriptures. Get to the heart. Get to God. Identify next steps. And then last, follow up. 